Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, would you open up to the Gospel of John with me? We find ourselves in the Gospel of John, chapter 15. So when you get there, put a finger in it. (laughs) And then come with me to Isaiah, chapter 5. As we begin this morning, we're going to take a look at Isaiah chapter 5 before we begin in John 15. This is what the Lord wrote in Isaiah chapter 5. Now, let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. For my well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. Now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, please, between me and my vineyard, what more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? Now, please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be burned. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant plant where he looked for justice, but behold, oppression, for righteousness, but behold, weeping. Woe to those who join house to house. They add field to field, till there's no place where they may dwell alone in the midst of the land. In my hearing, the Lord of hosts said, Truly, many houses shall be made desolate. Verses 8 and 9 He's speaking of materialism, the materialism within his vineyard. Verse 11, he says, Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may follow intoxicating drink, who continue until night till the wine inflames them. Verse 11 and 12, he's talking about hedonism or alcoholism, that search for pleasure. Verse 18, he says, Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of vanity and sin as if it is, as if with a cart rope. In verse 18 and 19, he's talking about his vineyard flaunting their sin. Maybe they were having parades. I don't know. But they're flaunting their sin. This is our sin, and we're proud of it. Verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light. And light for darkness. Then an inverted moral code. Good is bad and bad is good. Woe to them who call good evil and evil good. Verse 22. Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink. Who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous man. Verse 22. He's talking about perverted justice within his vineyard. As you consider what the Lord lays out in Isaiah chapter 5, the vineyard, his people, the nation of Israel, the Lord said, I gave them every opportunity to be fruitful. But they weren't. And then he says, the things that held them back. The things that stopped them from being fruitful. And if we were honest, couldn't we find any of those things in a newspaper? Go home and turn on the news. We could watch the same thing on the news. The very same thing that was causing God's people, the nation of Israel, not to be fruitful is going going on in our world today. Now as we turn back to John chapter 15, look at what Jesus said. John 15 verse 1, he says, I am the true vine. The last I am statement that Jesus will make. The seventh one. I am the true vine. That word true means authentic. 
Before, when we talk about Israel being the vine or, or, or the vineyard, the Lord's saying, that's a, that's a picture. They're the vineyard. I'm the vine that came to the vineyard. I'm the vine that would enable them to be fruitful. And as we look at John chapter 15, we're going to see that God wants you and I to be fruitful too. He wants you and I to experience fruitfulness in our life. And so often, hopefully by the end of today, but so often we look at that and we get afraid. We're afraid, oh, I'm not fruitful enough. I'm, I'm not doing enough. I'm not, I'm not accomplishing enough things for the Lord. But you see, Jesus is going to lay out for us, folks, exactly how we can be fruitful. Exactly. And as so often is the case with the Lord, He's going to lay it out for us in such a way that we can understand the simplicity of what it takes. But it does take a choice. Just like the nation of Israel in Isaiah chapter 5 made a choice, right? They made a choice to flaunt sin. They made a choice to seek after pleasure. They made a choice to pervert justice. They made a choice to invert the moral code. They chose to to do all those things. You and I today, we can choose to be fruitful. And that's all it's going to require from us. The willingness to choose to be fruitful and to hang in there. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now see, the, 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 who's he talking to? Judas had just left. You remember last week? Judas left, and Jesus is talking to the 11 disciples that he chose. His 11 guys. His guys. That he's sending out into the world. When we look at John chapter 15, we ought not to look at John chapter 15 in terms of salvation, we need to recognize what he's talking about. He's talking about fruitfulness. He's talking to believers, the 11 disciples. He's speaking to you and I today as believers to be fruitful. And he says, I am the true vine, the authentic vine, and my Father, He's the vine dresser. He's the one who takes care of the vine. Folks, our relationship to God the Father, can only be accomplished through the vine. What did Jesus say? John 14, 6, what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The only way to a relationship with God is through the vine, is through His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's God who is overseeing. It's God who's watching over. Verse 2, He says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Uh Uh-oh, there it is. I was afraid I was going to read something like that today where it says, if I don't bear fruit, He's going to take it away. He's He's going to take me away. Is He talking about that... I'm going to lose my salvation if I'm unfruitful? Is my salvation at risk if if I'm not doing enough? God's Word teaches us this. I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded He, Jesus, is able to keep me unto that day. Our salvation depends on the strength and the power. Didn't Jesus say, you're in my hands? No one can snatch you out of my hands. My Father who is greater than all, His hands, you're in His hands as well. No one can snatch you out of His hands. But remember, what are we speaking of here? We're speaking of fruitfulness. What does it mean to be fruitful? How am I fruitful? And what happens when I'm not fruitful? I used to have this attitude, guys, that I would look at God and God was this... this, Almighty, powerful being in heaven with lightning bolts. And every time Jackie messed up, shoom, there come a lightning bolt. Blam! He'd fry me, toast me right there where I was. And then I'd go a little bit further, you know, and I was always afraid. Oh, I messed up. And bam, there would come another one. Every time a car broke down, every time something happened in my day that wasn't just exactly right, I always looked at it like it was God just beating his kid for messing up. That God was, that was the way I pictured Him in in my mind. But when I read the Scriptures, 
I see that God is so much more than that. So much more. Well, let's define some things. When we talk about fruitfulness, what are we talking about? Well, guys, whenever we want to answer a question, we're going to answer it with God's Word. I'm not going to answer it with what I think or how I think it ought to be. We're going to let God's Word tell us. So let me lay out for you what God's Word calls fruitfulness. God's Word calls the salvation of lost souls fruitfulness. Romans 1.13 and John chapter 4. God's Word calls holiness fruitfulness in Romans 6.22. God's Word calls giving fruitfulness in Romans chapter 15. God calls good works fruitfulness in Colossians chapter 1. In the book of Hebrews, the Lord says the praise of our lips is fruitfulness unto God. And Galatians chapter 5, that's the one we should all know. It tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's fruitfulness. So when we look at our lives, the Lord lays out for us, when we're attached to the vine, then we'll bear fruit. And this is the kind of fruit we're looking for. This is the kind of fruit that we want to see evidence of in our life as we consider it. Well, he says, now, every, every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. What does that mean? He takes it away. Is he talking about reaching in and ripping that branch off and getting rid of it? That silly branch doesn't have nothing on it. What good is it? The Greek word for takes away is the word aero, A-I-R-O. It means to lift up. That branch that is unfruitful. Maybe you've seen this before, an unfruitful branch. Maybe it's a little bent or creased, and the sap has been cut off that's flowing through that branch. And so the life of the vine, life of the tree, is not passing through that branch. A good husbandman, rather than lopping off the branch, will lift it up, brace it up, and enable that branch to be fruitful. That branch is attached to the vine. It's attached to the vine. So the Father is going to lift it up. He's going to prop it up. He's going to do whatever it takes to enable that branch to bear fruit. And so it is in our lives. Folks, when we're, if we're not being fruitful, you need to understand God wants you to be fruitful. And He's going to work in your life, prop you up, build you up, encourage you, whatever it's going to take for that fruitfulness to happen. Now, do we need to sit around and try to be fruitful? I don't know. I got three. If you come to my house this afternoon, you're going to see three apple trees. Never seen them silly apple trees try to make one apple yet. They got hundreds and hundreds of apples on them. Apples everywhere. Everywhere you look, it has apples. How is it that those branches knew how to have an apple? How do they know to allow the the bud to come and that bud to grow into fruit? How did the branch know? What did the branch do? The branch did what? One thing. Stayed attached to the vine. Stayed plugged in to the tree. If I go rip that apple branch off, is it going to be fruitful? It's not going to be fruitful. It won't bear fruit. Because it cannot bear fruit of itself. It only is going to bear fruit as it is attached to the vine. Who's the authentic vine? Jesus Christ. How do we bear fruit? We stay attached to Him. If there's that lack of fruitfulness in our life, the Father doesn't come, wad you up, and throw you away. He comes along and lifts you up, props you up, tries to do whatever He can do in your life so that you will bear fruit. He wants us to be fruitful. So if it does not bear fruit, he takes it away. He lifts it up. He props it up. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Oh, we get kind of depressed about that part, right? This looks like a lose-lose sometimes, depending on how you read it. Well, if I'm, if I'm not bearing fruit, I'm getting propped up. And if I am bearing fruit, he's hacking parts of me off. <laughs> that word for pruning, it, it really means, or can also mean, to clean or to cleanse. Think about this. Sometimes I'll go through a plant and I'll see all these dead, withered leaves. You know, this part of this branch that's not fruitful, that's, that's dead or dying. But yet it's still attached. You guys seen that before? And it's just this 
And you can just go through and just pick off the dead leaves, the dead parts of that, so that it's clean. What does God do in our life? Folks, there are parts in our life that are not fruitful. There are things in our life that are dead. A part of the dead man, the old man. Is the old man alive anymore? The old man is dead. Man, he died. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the power that I live now in, the power with which I'm able to live my life, is through the Holy Spirit. He guides, he leads. The old man is dead. All he does is get in the way. So we want to cut him off. Put off the old man. Doesn't the Bible say? Put off the old man and what? Put on the new. Put off the old acts of unrighteousness. Put on the new. That's what it is to be pruned. To have the branch cleaned off so that the branch can bear more fruit. So that it can be more fruitful. Because God doesn't just want you to bear fruit. He wants you to bear more fruit. And in a little while, he's going to say he wants you to bear much fruit. God wants fruitfulness in our lives. And he wants us to be able to bear that fruit. So, he prunes it that it might bear more fruit. Now, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. You are already clean because of the word. Who's he talking to again? Eleven disciples. The eleven disciples, believers, people that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You are already clean by the word of God. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that we are washed by the water of the word. In order to be pruned in our life, in order to experience the cleansing of God, in order to be prepared to be fruitful, we must wash in the water of the word. Most of us probably take a shower or a bath at least weekly, right? (laughs) Oh, we're taking a shower every day. Sometimes more than one shower a day, depending on what that day brought for us. Because if you don't clean yourself every day, you begin to reek. And nobody wants to be around you. Nobody wants to be near you. But folks, the same thing occurs in our life when we don't allow the Word of God to cleanse us. The Word of God needs to wash away all that junk inside of us that we get in us through the day. What do you mean, the junk we get in us? Come on, man. You, you getting ready to go to work, you get up in the morning, and as you're walking to go out to get ready to go in the morning, you step on the cat. Or maybe you step on a lizard. I've done both of those things. The cat in California, the lizard here. Apparently, the most unlucky lizard in the world lived at my house. Because I never saw him. But I walked out the door and squashed him right there in front of the door. Someday, someday your day just goes like that, don't it? First you squash the lizard. Then you're cleaning up lizard guts all over the middle of the floor. Then you go out and you get in your car and you put the key in and you turn it and nothing happens. Battery's dead. So we go and we hook up the battery to the car. Then we get the car started. Now we're late and we're hurrying. And as we're hurrying, we're driving through Filer and we're speeding. (laughs) Bad idea. You drive it through Filer on a hurry to get wherever you're going. And sure enough, them fellas are ready for you. Right then. So they pull you over and they give you a ticket. And then you take your ticket and, and you go and you, you get where you're going. And as soon as you walk in, the boss is right there at the door. He's upset. Why? Because you're late. You're late. And through your day, all this junk, all this bitterness or all this frustration or all this anger it is all building up unfruitfulness within you how do we wash that out with the word of god with the word of god god's people should be taking a couple of showers a day they should be washing their mind with the water of god's word early in the morning Just like the children of Israel going out and gathering up that manna. The bread that they needed 
When did they do it? Early in the morning. They went in the afternoon. It was too late. They go early in the morning. And then when you come back at night, you need to wash out that junk in your life with the water of God's word. Just spending time allowing God's word to wash you clean. To wash you clean. And you will be fruitful. You'll be fruitful. Look what the word says. You're already clean because of the word. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Folks, all you got to do is hang in there. All you have to do is abide in Christ and you will be fruitful. Period. Abide in Christ and you will bear fruit. Abide in Him. Well, what's that mean? What does it mean to abide in Christ? What's that all about? Well, folks, we want to allow the Bible to tell us what it's about. And and I got a special little thing to tell you. The fellow who wrote this book, John, he tells us what abiding is. If you hold your finger there and you turn to the right and you keep going far enough, you're going to come to 1 John. When you get to 1 John chapter 4, stop. And we want to look at verses 15 and 16. 1 John chapter 4, 15 and 16. What does it mean to abide in Christ? Verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. And he abides in God. And we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Folks, he's laying it out for us. It's not all that difficult abiding in Christ, abiding in God. We believe that Jesus is the son of God. The Bible says and you abide in God and God abides in you. That you believe. If you abide in love. What did we talk about? What did Jesus say? They will know you are my disciples. How? By your love one for another. That's how you love the people you're in this room with. They'll know you belong to me. By how you love your brother. Abide in love. And you abide in God. You're abiding in him. Well let's take a look at. 1 John chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. Just let your eyes drift over to the left. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave His commandment. And He who keeps His commandments abides in Him, and He in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given He who keeps his commandments abides in him. The one who obeys. Folks, abiding is talking about having that close personal relationship. Staying as close to Jesus as you can. Doing things in your life that enable you to be more like him. Staying in his presence. Not shoving him in some corner or telling him, No, Lord, you go over here. I got to do this. You stay away from me for now. You just stay over there and I'll come get you later. But staying close to him. What does it mean? What is this all about? Keep his commandments. Well, turn to the left again. We come to 1 John chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son... And in the Father. Let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. Let that abide. The love of God abiding in your life. That love of God poured out by the Holy Spirit. Abiding in Jesus. Abiding in the Father. It's all about our attitude. Are we willing to say, Lord God, I I submit myself to you. I give myself to you. I'm yours. 
And then allow God to guide us and lead us and direct us in the day. Love one another. When we love one another, we abide in God. When we love one another, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We're abiding. That's all we got to do, folks. Hang in there and you're going to be fruitful. You're going to experience fruitfulness in your life. God is going to continue to do the work that He's begun. Doesn't the Scripture say, He who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to see it through to completion? Isn't that good news? So as we begin to experience that fruitfulness, the Lord wants us to know, abide in me, and I'll abide in you. You Stay right here with me, and I'll take care of you. Verse 5, he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears what? Much fruit. Did that branch sweat? Did the branch do a bunch of somersaults? Did it do a bunch of neat little tricks? Did it have a lot of things it had to do? What did the branch do? I got branches with so many apples on them, I can't get my mower under the tree no more. Because the branches hit me in the head while I'm going by. Now, I'm sure there's a smart thing to do to keep yourself from getting hit with the branches when you're mowing. But that would require me to stop the mower and get off. I'm not interested in doing that. So I just hit the gas and try to dodge the branches. Every once in a while, they rake me almost clean off the back of that mower. And I end up with like 10 apples in my lap. So I have something to eat while I'm mowing. They bear much fruit. Why? Just simply because they're attached to the vine. They're attached to Him. Folks, if we'll hang in there, if we'll stay attached to Jesus Christ, you will bear much fruit. Because the most important part of that verse is this part that comes next. What's it tell us? He lays out for us. Listen. For without me, there's a few things you can do. Is that what he says? Or without me, if you really try hard, you can be successful. Without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Apart from Jesus Christ, you can do nothing. Folks, we got to come to the place where we can really hold on to that and believe it. Because most of the time, we don't really believe it. We believe, I can do it, I got, I'm pretty strong, I got plans, and my plans, I can make things happen, and I can make life turn around, and I, it's all about how hard I'm willing to work. And Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. Folks, the secret to a victorious, successful Christian life is simply hanging in there with Jesus. Staying attached to the vine. Being with Him. Maybe when you were young, you remember playing with magnets. Anybody beside me ever play with magnets? They were a cheap toy. Mama would buy me a magnet, and I'd play in the dirt with the magnet all day, getting all that furry stuff all over the magnet. You know that black furry stuff comes out the ground? Nobody else ever seen it? I'll get you guys a magnet, and I'll show you. So... <clears throat> I get all that stuff. I discovered if I took a paper clip, I take that paper clip and I rub it on the magnet, rub it on the magnet, and then the paper clip became a magnet. And I could do whatever I did with the magnet with the paper clip. But what happened? As soon as I took that paper clip away from the magnet, after a period of time, it ran out of juice, right? So what do you got to do? You go back and rub it on the magnet some more. So I go back and rub it on the magnet, and then I go play with it. And it run out of juice, and I go back, rub on the magnet, and then I go play with it. Folks, that's how some of us treat a relationship with Jesus Christ. We all gather together on Sunday morning, and we're rubbing on the magnet. And we get energized. And we go out in our week. And somewhere around Wednesday or Thursday, we're running out of juice. And then it comes all the way back around to Sunday again, and we gather together, and once again, we rub on the magnet. Jesus said, if you want to be fruitful, what? Stay attached to the vine. What if we took that paper clip? What if we took our lives, and we stayed plugged in to the magnet every day? 
What happens if we stay connected every day? What happens if every day begins with the word? Every evening closes with the word? What happens in our life? What changes in the fruitfulness of our life? When we're attached to the vine. When we're a part of everything that he does. When he's a part of everything I do. Folks, I coached football for 10 years. I love football. I got football come out of my ears. In fact, I'm about to go crazy because I haven't seen near enough football. Football was everything. was a lot about who I was. But when I coached football, Jesus was with me. When we coached football, we talked about the Lord. We brought in the Word of God. We, it was everything. It was, every, it was part of everything we did. Why? Because you cannot separate the person from his Savior. You can't do it. If you give your life to Jesus Christ, no one should be able to divide you from your Savior and say, well, while you're here, you're not really a Christian. Or while you're there, you're not supposed to be like this. Or while you do this or that. No one should be able to separate you. Because why? Because if you're separated from the vine, you won't bear fruit. There's no fruitfulness. There's only fruitfulness when we're staying attached to Jesus Christ. That's where we want to be. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Oh, I knew it was going to happen. So if I'm not fruitful, God's going to rip me off the vine. I'm going to wither up and he's going to throw me in the fires of hell. Who's he talking to? It's 11 disciples. Little lesson in hermeneutics. Don't pull things out and make them say what you want them to say. What is he talking to them about? Fruitfulness. And if something was unfruitful, it burned up in the fire. We want to understand unfruitfulness. What's unfruitfulness all about? We want to let the Word of God tell us. What does it mean to be unfruitful? What are you talking about? Well, we're going to go look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Beginning at verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. Well, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed on what? How he builds on it. For no other foundation can one lay than that which is laid, Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold... Silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. He's talking about how works are tested. What makes something fruit and what makes something else a waste of time. He says that the day will come when that work will be tried. And it will be tried by fire. What happens when you put gold in fire? It gets pure. Or silver. Or precious gems. What happens when you put wood, hay, and stubble in a fire? Poof. It's gone. It's gone. Unfruitfulness just burns away. It's all gone. Fruitfulness it's all going to be judged on that day. Folks, what he's talking about here is a Bema Seat judgment of Christ. The Bema Seat judgment of Christ. In fact, he goes on and says, If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. He's saying some folks are going to get to heaven with the smell of smoke still on their clothes. Flames licking around their feet, burning up all the unfruitfulness. But he's not talking about a loss of salvation. He's talking about the way in which our works are going to be judged, the way our works are going to be looked at. So, he goes on and says, when they'll be thrown in the fire and they'll be burned up. Romans 14.10 says, We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The Bema seat of Christ. Every believer will stand before Him and all that we've ever done is going to be judged. And the Bible says God's going to take our work and He's going to cause it to
to pass through the fire. And that which is wood and stubble, poof, disappears, burned away. All the dry twigs, all the fruitless parts of our life, just burned away. And all that part of our life that was fruitful, gold, precious stones, silver, will be refined in that refiner's fire. And the Lord will pull that out and give it to us. And that will be our reward. That reward that God gives us. What is the point of that reward? I mean, some folks are going to say, well, well, great, who cares? I'm going to be there. Why do I need a reward? I'll just give my life to Jesus and, and forget about this whole abiding in the vine thing and I'll just live any way I want to live. I'll do whatever I want to do. Well, let me tell you what happens. The book of Revelation, 24 elders are going to stand around the Lamb as though He had been slain on the glassy sea. And they're going to look at the One who gave His life for them. And everyone, the Bible says, is going to pull off their crowns and cast them at His feet. And if you have no crown, you have nothing to give the one who gave everything for you. I don't want to stand before him that way. I don't want to look at him without anything. I don't want to look at the Lord and say, well, I'm saved and that's good. Where would I get my crown from? Where did my fruitfulness come from? Was it something the branch did? No, I just abide in Him. And fruitfulness happens. It's fruit that He gave me anyway. So when I get a chance to see Jesus face to face, I want to give it to Him. Lord, this is all stuff that You gave me in the first place. I couldn't have done anything without You. This is all Yours. And we'll give it to Him. We'll lay it down before Him. I want to be fruitful I want to be fruitful in this place. So the scripture goes on. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. If you abide in me, well, we talked about what that was about, and my word abides in you, that word abide, the second one, it means to be at home with. If the word of God is at home in your life, then the things that you ask for, you're going to receive. Isn't that cool? The Word of God is at home in your life. The psalmist said it like this. If you delight yourself in the law of the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, that means, if I delight myself in God's Word, if I make a home for God's Word in my life, I'm going to be fruitful because I'm being cleaned, I'm being cleansed, washing away the junk. I'm not just counting on once a week relationship with God. I want to have a relationship with God every day. I'm going to to experience that fruitfulness that God has. I'm going to experience those things. And if God's word abides in me, he's going to put in my heart his desires. And then whatever I pray for is in line with God's will and you receive it. That's it. It's that simple. If we make God's Word a home in our life, a home within us, if His Word is at home with us, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. God wants you to be fruitful. There's no such thing as a believer that bears no fruit. You just got to hang in there. You got to stay attached to the vine and allow the fruitfulness that God brings to come. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Over and over and over again. What do we see? The word fruit and the word abide. The word fruit and the word abide. Permanence, guys. Permanence in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Permanence in our drawing close to Him. And we want to experience all that God has for us. It's found in that permanence of relationship. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. All we got to do is keep His commandments. Well, that's good, right? There's only 619 of them. How do you do with the ten? Ten commandments, uh, 
the Ten Commandments. I don't know that a day has gone by. I haven't messed up the Ten Commandments. And I think, Lord, how can I keep your commandments and, and, and abide in your love? How can I do that? I can't seem to perform it. I can't seem to perform what you want me to perform. Lord, what are you saying? Well, look at what the Word says. Let the Word tell us. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You obey my commandments, you abide in my love. What's the commandment? He says, this is my commandment. Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Love. He's talking about love. Loving. The love of God is poured out in your life through the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit come into your life? When you give your life away. You give your life to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes in. He takes up residence within you. He gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God in your life. Abide in my love. Stay in that place. Remember when you first got saved and you're all excited and you have all this joy? And somewhere down the line, your joy turns into happiness. And that's not necessarily a good thing, is it? Because happiness depends on happenings. But joy doesn't. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I don't know how joyful Jesus looked on the cross. But for the joy that was before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy? You are the joy. I am the joy. We are the joy that Jesus saw the fruitfulness that would come as the vine presents himself to the branches. The branches are attached to the vine and fruitfulness comes. And he says, this is what I want you to do. These things I speak that you may have joy. Folks, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Not the giddy, happy Goofy feelings that that people get. Joy. Joy that Jesus Christ picked me, chose me. I'm part of his family. I'm going to spend eternity with him. Nothing can squash that. It doesn't matter whether or not my Harley looks like somebody stomped on it, kicked it, and rolled it under a rock, and then parked the car on top of it. It doesn't matter. If my joy was in the bike, then that would affect it, wouldn't it? My joy is in the Lord. And the Lord never changes. The Lord never changes. Folks, we can, He is that anchor that we can hold on to, that we can attach ourselves to, that we can grab a hold of for all we're worth and hold on and you will not be disappointed. Nobody on the day that they see Jesus face to face is going to say, well, that wasn't worth it. <laughs> but they're going to look at Jesus and they're going to say, man, I had all these questions, Lord, I was going to ask you when I saw you, but I don't remember not a one of them. I don't remember a single one as I look at your face and I see the marks of love all over it. The only thing man-made in all of heaven, right? The scars on Jesus Christ. As he reaches out his hands to hold us, there are going to be marks forever. Those marks that he bore to show us that he loved us. Those marks. When we see Jesus, I don't think there's going to be not one question. There's just going to be that mind-blowing, incredible exhilaration as we realize the creator of all the universe is coming right down here before me and he wants to give me a hug. Who am I? And he will come and say, what? Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your master's happiness. Come down, come here, be a part of this place that I have prepared for you. Man, I want that. I want to experience that joy that God has for us. This is my commandment that you love. How? As I have loved you. How are we to love one another? Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Isn't that what Jesus said last week? My peace I give to you, but not like the world gives it. That peace is just fleeting. Doesn't mean anything. 
And you can be popular in the world and in one minute lose all your popularity, can't you? Uh, hang them. I want to be attached to the vine. I want to be hooked up with Jesus Christ. I want to be in that place. So I want to love like Jesus loved. And how did he love you and me? Well, he tells us in the next verse. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for his friends. To give your life away. To give your life away is fruit, wasn't it? I think giving was fruit. To walk in holiness was fruit, wasn't it? To do good works was fruit, wasn't it? To sing praises unto the Lord. That was fruit, wasn't it? And to love like He loved me. Like He loved us. Jesus is so eternally patient with me. And I'm so thankful that He is patient with me. Because in that patience, in that patience I can have rest. I know, man, He doesn't give up on me. So when should we give up on each other? He doesn't give up on me. He doesn't, he doesn't just throw me off and say, oh, you're, you're not worth anything. No, he was willing to give everything he had just to have a relationship with me when I was yet a sinner, before I was perfected. And he says, greater love has no one than this, and he laid down his life when it's not about me and it's about somebody else. Greater love has no one than this. When it's not about us, it's all about Him. It's all about Jesus. And I don't love that brother or that sister because they're so lovable. I don't. I love them because I love the Lord. And all I got to do is stay plugged into the vine. And He says He'll give me that love. And if I'm not plugged into the vine, He'll lift me up. He'll help bandage me up. He'll help because what? He wants me to be fruitful. God doesn't want us to fail. He wants us to have fruit. So God wants that to come forward in your life. All He needs us to do, folks, all He needs us to do is say, yes, that's what I want. Yes, Lord, I'm not going to just take a bath once a week. I'm going to stay attached to the vine every day. Because without you, I can do nothing. But Paul would write, with him, all things are possible. Right? We want to experience that fruitfulness, folks. We want to experience all that God has for us. That commandment that he wants us to obey, to abide in him, is love. They'll know you are my disciples by your love, one for another. He wants us to love. He wants us to be a place where... The love of God is seen. Not just sloppy stuff, but the reality, the truth of God's love. Not just trying to make it happen, because fruitfulness happens when I'm attached to the vine. So I want to stay attached to Jesus Christ and just allow Him, His Spirit, His power, the sap of His vine to flow through me. And that will bring fruit. So God's word for us today is simple, guys. Just hang in there. Fruit happens. Hold on to Jesus. And it will take place. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I just thank you that we can come before you. We can study your word, Lord Jesus. We can see the, the fruitfulness of the vine. Lord, may we see it in terms of what your word is laying out for us. God, that you want us to be fruitful. And that all that we have to do to be fruitful is abide in Christ. And your word says we abide in Christ if we believe he is the son of God. We abide in Christ if we keep your commandments. And he, then you said your commandment is this, that you love one another as I have loved you. It's just a choice. I have to make a choice. 
I have to make a choice to break from the old unfruitful works of darkness. For while I was once darkness, now I am alive in the light. God, you need to work a work in me to to push, to take away, to, to cut off all those unfruitful works, all that unfruitfulness in my life, all those areas of my life that I know, God, are, are wrapped in darkness and don't enable me to move forward and be what you're calling me to be. God, you want to cut all that stuff away and help me be fruitful. But all I have to do is to choose, choose to abide in you. Not just today. To abide in you tomorrow. Abiding speaks of permanence, to abide in you every day. And God, I'll be fruitful. God, people will get saved as a result. Lord, I'll experience first fruitfulness, then more fruit, then much fruit, all these things moving in and through my life. But God, it's all so simple, but it can also so simply be choked out. If I just go through the motions, if I'm just a pretender, if I'm not willing to just abide in you, Father God, it's our prayer in this place this morning. Father, we would just make that choice to abide in you. That we stop playing games with our relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not just something we play act on Sunday, but something that is a part of our life every day. Wash us clean, Lord. Make us fruitful. We, your people, we call out upon you, Lord Jesus, and ask, God, that you would pour out your Spirit in, a, in such an incredible way, Father, that we would all decide, Lord, every day I want to be with you. Every day, grounded in your word. Every day, I want to stay connected to the magnet. I don't want to just rub up against him. I want to put my hand in his hand. Stay connected to Jesus Christ. Stay empowered to do his perfect work. And God, fruitfulness will happen. Your church will change. The community around us will change. The state in which we live will change. The country in which we reside will change. But all that change begins in the heart of us in this place right now. May we abide in you as you abide in us. We give this place, our lives, our hearts, our community, our state, our country to you. Help us bear fruit as we abide in the vine. And we give you all the praise for that which you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.